Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Dave Thompson. Once again, you are listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. We are in Season 4 somewhere in the 50s for this year you know we've said this many times before this year it's hard to keep track of where you're at and what you're doing whenever you're not going anywhere and you're doing the same thing day in day out if you haven't felt cabin fever being stir crazy or not knowing what time of the day it is or day of the week don't feel alone there's plenty of us out here now, you know, I don't want to have you just listen and uh, talk with me. We kind of quit doing that. Uh, so why am I on today? Well, I've got a guest speaker with me today, Kevin Stoller with K12. Kevin, are you on the line with us? I am, Dave. How are you doing today? Well, uh, you know, first of all, I, I forgot to really look. I know that K-12 has locations in different places, but I didn't really ask you which location you were at or yeah, where, I, where in the country are you? I am in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. Oh, my. Yeah. How about you? I am in Orlando, Florida. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I've been to Arizona more than one time in my life. Yeah, it's pretty hot right now. We're actually like it's a it's a cold day. It's like 96 today. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, yeah. A cold day for you is uh, well. You know, the thing about it is, it's not heat. It's also humidity. So here in Florida, 96, but 100 percent humidity. Right. Makes a lot of difference. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so now that we got the geographical stuff out of the way, folks, <laughs> let's get to some other matters here. The reason that we're talking today with um, Kevin Stoller is that I know a little bit, as most people do, from going to a website and looking through. But, you know, I think the thing is, is whenever we start looking at a website, we make some, uh, well, determinations and we assume some things. So rather than me do that, Kevin, tell us what K-12 is and why you want to talk about learning environments. Yeah, absolutely. So our focus is we look at learning environments and we know that every student learns differently. Um, it's something innately, like if you really think about it, everyone knows that. Um, but for some reason, for the last 120 years, if you look at the majority of classrooms, they're set up very similar where there's straight rows and there's a teacher in the front. And uh, but this, But the research all shows that Students, kids don't learn best that way. They they learn more by doing things and by doing more hands-on and collaboration. And so the past you know, like eight, 10 years or so, we've been following the research and looking at these environments and realizing that there's the engagement is so much higher if we set up the classrooms and the learning environments in a way where students can learn the way they learn best and and be able to move around and, and do things um, that keep that engagement high. Uh, so whenever you're saying students, Kevin, are we talking uh, K through 12, uh, grade school, middle school, uh, yeah. parochial? What, what, what is the basic environment you're talking about? Yeah, so our, we, we focus in the K through 12 environment. However, right. a good chunk of our business comes from colleges and universities as well <laughs> as kind of the preschool environment so um and, and it's interesting because uh you know like we you know debated for a while or like oh like we're really talking learning environments this is everything from workplace environments um but we really said you know well, let's just focus on k-12 um but because we have get so many insights of how learning happens that it transfers into those different age groups as well um 
but but really that K twelve we that's our focus. We we really want to impact at that level because uh, kind of my personal mission, and we'll talk about it a lot more later. I'm sure it's just that all these jobs and everything, and we've seen it, you know, in, in you know in 2020 already, how quickly the world is changing, and we're just not preparing kids for what what they're going to need. And if we keep teaching and keep keep setting up schools the same way they have for the last 125 years, we're going to prepare them for a world that is is not what they need. You know, I think it's interesting. I looked on your website and I, um, you know, I look at pictures very carefully and I, I saw that most of the pictures did include uh, students of under, you know, 16, 17. Um, one of the things that really caught my eye was uh, the engaged students. Uh, you may not know this, but we have a little moniker that we say the most valuable resource that an organization has is an engaged employee. Yep. Engagement is the factor or is that, is that, I mean, is there a priority of these things? Absolutely. I mean, engagement and I don't maybe we should kind of talk definitions of, of how you view engagement. Um, we view engagement and we've actually worked with schools that have been studying engagement and trying to get that feedback from the students of when, you know, they're being challenged. Um, but also, um, in a, in a way that doesn't feel like it alienates them. And that's, that's really kind of the sweet spot that a lot of educators have been doing research and trying to, to fit is, is every kid is at a different level. Every kid learns differently. So, if we're looking at just test scores and looking at kind of these standardized metrics, we're doing a big disservice to the, to these kids. But if we can look at them, of each one of them being engaged at whatever level they're at, that's really where the higher amount of learning really kicks in because now they take authority they took, they take that ownership and they feel like now this is now my learning that I have responsibility instead of saying teacher, I'm going to sit back here. You teach me. Your job is to teach me. Once we flip that around and, and turn it into engagement, that's that's really what we're aiming for. Well, I, I know that. It, I don't know if that's how you're viewing engagement at, at a at an employee level. Well, I think this is the interesting thing. Is is you you know what we talk about is that if there people aren't engaged in what is going on, we're not learning. We're not you know we're not there in the moment. And, of course, you know, I'm in education. You know, that's what we do here at the Academy is professional development education for the cleaning industry. And if they're not engaged and I keep them engaged the whole time during an educational session, they don't get anything. And we know yeah. that they don't remember, we don't comprehend and retain that for a very, you know, it's a very short period of time. So it has to be continually reinforced. Um how do you, I, I mean, I think from what I've read, it's mainly furniture. We're looking at the interiors of the spaces. So yeah, furniture is really the, one of the biggest factors, but it, it does go beyond that. It goes into some of the technology that's within the, within the schools. Um, and then also just like what the walls and the environments are like, are, are you utilizing the outdoor spaces are, um, are you giving um, environments where, where the students can walk around, move around, be able to use, look at all four walls and be able to utilize all four walls instead of, uh, instead of, you know, just kind of having one wall that's the focal point uh, of the classroom. So it, it goes beyond that, but the majority of, of the solutions we look at, it, it ends up being furniture because furniture is honestly the biggest way to impact the environment. It's not, not all schools and not all school districts are in a position where they can just build a whole new school and, and set it up that way. Um, but everyone can take a 20 by 25 foot classroom, clear out the furniture and create an environment that's more engaging. 
Well, I got to tell you, every summer, like what we're in right now, every custodian on the planet right now is clearing out the room. So, I mean, you, you talk about furniture and the cleaning industry, and we're going, oh, my gosh, furniture. I know. We kind of have the, a you know, we only, relationship we, we, a little bit with, with the custodial staff sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you have a good relationship with us or not? We, we do, but... Um, we we want their we want their input, um, but we are always reminding people that what's the purpose of the school, and if the purpose of the school is education, then we can't make custodial decisions um, for for the educational outcomes of that. We we absolutely want want the custodial staff part of that conversation. Um, but what we found is that it typically turns, turns the conversation into what types of floor glides are there and, and, you know, things like that will be like, oh, we can't move that furniture because that's going to add more time to our, to our cleaning process to it. Um, so we want the conversation. We typically are, are recommending furniture that's on wheels and on casters to make that cleaning process easier where you can push things over to one side, clean one side of the room, and then push them off to the other side and then clean the other side of the room. Um, but it, we're, we're in an interesting time where, um, you know, where cleanliness obviously is a huge factor. Um, <laughs> and we are, I mean, we flat out, I'm calling BS on a lot of these school superintendents and principals that are saying that cleanliness is the number one, that's their number one goal, that safety is their number one goal. And I'm saying that's BS, that is not true. If, if safety was your number one goal, you'd be having your kids wearing bulletproof vests when there were a lot of school shootings going on. It's a factor, but your number one goal is to educate students as best as you can. Well, so, you know, the, so I, you know, I, I know I, I can I, cause some, uh, <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> some issues I mean, in there, but, but that's our job. Our job is to challenge the status quo because we don't think hey, the it's, it, it's a live show this job. afternoon, you know, man, yeah, you, right. you know, a little, a little heated debated discussion on a live show might not yeah. be a bad thing. I so I wanna, yeah. I mean, I love to hear your perspective on there. Like how, how much do you feel like, um, you know, in these colleges and schools, like what are the, what are the things that, are important from the custodial side of things that you guys are seeing and talking about. Well, I, I think you are correct. And I like to hear the fact that, that you want to include custodial departments in some of the thought process. However, I will agree with you that what our focus is today and what our goal is, is going to be two different things. You know, so, um, you know, I, I think prioritizing is the thing you're talking about, Kevin, here as much as anything. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have to have a safe and healthy school for the students to be able to be there. When they're there, learning is the key, uh, the key reason. Right. But if it's not safe and healthy, then they're not going to be there very long. I think that's what you're finding now. Yeah. Since we, we do not have the health of our society under control, that's the reason kids missed their graduations and everything this summer. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got a 12 year old granddaughter. She doesn't know that she's going to be back in the classroom this fall. Have you had discussions with, I mean, since you said you're talking with uh, these yeah, folks, we're, we're, where are you at there? This literally changes hourly. Um, <laughs> hourly. <laughs> <laughs> so we, yeah. Um, I, We've been talking because we do work in all 50 states. So we kind of have our pulse on what's going on. And every state's a little different on how they're approaching it. Um, and I'll just kind of give an example. Here in Arizona, last week, they there were the webinars saying this is what we're planning. We have our contingency plan, contingency plans of what's going to, you know, what we need to do. But we're planning to open here in the, in the fall as, as normal time. And, you know, and if we need to have an online option, we will, but to open, these are the things they're, you know, they're making sure that they're trying to have that social distancing and keeping 
keeping students into cohorts of smaller cohorts where they're not interacting with more than the small group that they're in all day long. Um, but then literally yesterday, the governor of Arizona came out and pushed the, the start of school back three weeks. Um, so all the plans that, that they've been working on were just pushed back and saying, but now districts are, are reacting to that and saying, okay, well, if, if we're not sure when school's going to start, how much more do we need to just be pushing towards having the e-learning option ready for everyone? So. Well, you know, us out here in the general public, you know, we've heard things from teachers don't want to go back to classes. Students don't want to go back. How am I going to teach 32 students in the same classroom and keep distancing? Right. Uh, you know, we've heard all this. Schools are challenged and you probably are challenged as well. Yeah. And that's what we've been working with, with a lot of the schools that are having to answer that, the, you know, the CDC requirements kind of came out there and I should say the recommendations went out there. Um, and they are now trying to figure out, you know, when they did have 30, 32 kids in there, we, they can only fit about 16 in there now. Um, so we're doing a lot of work and doing drawings and layouts for them to say, well, what other spaces can we do? Can we have outdoor? Can we take the cafeteria and, and break that into um, more classroom areas? Can we do the same thing with the gyms and the libraries and more of the shared spaces where we have kind of smaller co cohorts that are set up throughout the facilities. And, um, and that's tough. I mean, it, it is really tough for them to plan um, to do this. Summers are already crazy. Like, like, you know, you're, you're aware of where there's so much cleaning and maintenance and things that typically would go on during the summer, but to also kind of rearrange the entire school. Um, it, it's a tough job right now. Um, Every time I talk to the school leaders, I'm like, you guys are in a very tough spot right now um, because then you have the demands that the, feature, the parents are putting on you. And like you mentioned, a lot of teachers that are saying, I'm not coming back. So they're dealing with a, with a shortage of, of teachers and how to recruit and train everyone for the new thing. So it, it's a little chaotic right now, um, but I keep reminding everyone that education needed a change, and we need to take advantage of this. So you're saying that this is forcing the change you've been wanting to talk about in a different way? I'm, I'm scared it's going the wrong way. Um, that's why I'm so vocal about this right now is, you know, the last 10 years or so, there's been a big movement into what they call more of like the soft skills or the 21st century skills, which are more focused on collaboration and creativity and being able to um, really, really uh, turn this next generation into problem solvers. And now the CDC recommendations and what most schools are kind of being tasked with are the complete opposite of that. They're really recommending have the space, have more, so kids shouldn't be interacting so closely with each other. Um, they should all be facing one direction. They should be wearing masks and having, you know, in, in um, scenarios of having like plexiglass and different dividers in there, which is not a super engaging environment to be in. Um, once well, once we yeah. lay that out and we show people what that really looks like. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of these um, diagrams, of some of this, and I go, and you think that the cleaning staff wasn't challenged before? <laughs> right. Now you have to, you have to clean every plexiglass surface, and yeah, and now you're dealing with kids eating at their desk in, in their classroom. It's a uh, it's a different animal. Yeah, and then of course, being a cleaning professional, I can get into the people don't realize that you can't use every chemical that's out there on a piece of plexiglass. And then that's what they'll start doing uh, right. because what I'm hearing already is collaborative cleaning or cooperative cleaning, however you want to say it, where the teacher and the students are now going to be asked to do some of their own cleaning. And I'm like, okay, so now you're going to give all of these people professional grade cleaning chemicals when they don't even use their own home cleaning chemicals correctly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't really think about that aspect of it. 
Well, see, that's why we have a conversation, I correct, know, Kevin? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's why we all need to get together. And that's the thing. Um, you, you know, I see some of the classrooms that we go into and the different furniture and fixtures and everything. Um, you know, the surfaces that we're being asked to to take care of. And then when it comes turns back around to it, the schools then are not giving the proper amount of time for the staff to become educated. So as somebody like yourself, whatever furniture company puts in whatever uh, items, uh, then the question is, is how, how are we going to actually train the staff and educate the staff on how to take care of those items? Because they're different than what they've been doing. You can't do the same thing on all surfaces. Right. You know what? I, so one of the things that we do whenever we're changing out these environments is we do do professional development with the staff of how to utilize that. And we should probably figure out a way to team up on that and show and, and incorpor- incorporate a piece of how to keep everything clean in there because typically we're talking about how this furniture changes their teaching and their tactics and everything really changes because if they were if it was a teacher that was used to just being at the front of the room and lecturing how now we're creating environments that are more collaborative and they become more of kind of that guide for the student instead of instead of the lecture and the teacher doesn't know how to deal with that right it's a totally different skill set so we do right. a lot of training for that, but we probably should incorporate a, a piece of that of, of how to clean and maintain that because we are seeing, again, I don't know how much this is going to change and kind of set education back, um, but we were seeing a, a lot of soft seating being incorporated within the classroom. So now you're getting fabrics um, and typically we're doing health grade type of fabrics that are bleach cleanable and and be able to do that but that's not always the case Um, sometimes the schools don't have the budget for that and they're getting fabrics that are not the right types of fabrics to go into a classroom and you i can see how uh that's going to be an issue well i think that's the the thing you know um a disinfectant doesn't need to be used over and over and over on every surface Um, And this is what we're seeing right now that everybody's not talking about anything, but just keep putting more disinfectants on. And if we start to now have more people doing more of that, it's going to cause, well, I mean, literally these, these disinfectants are corrosive to skin and metal. And if you just keep loading these surfaces up with disinfectant, you're going to degrade the surfaces. And so if you keep giving teachers and students a toxic disinfectant, whether it be a wipe or a spray bottle, and they continue to use it all, all the time, repeatedly throughout the day, it isn't going to take long before the furniture that you put in is going to have all kinds of problems. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, that's just from a material standpoint. I'm not, not, let's not even talk about the uh, aerosolization of the disinfectant and also the absorption of the disinfectant into their skin. Right. Hmm. So, you know, the more, you know, and I, I hear what you're saying, the collaborative type of environment where there's more communication, they act as a team to solve an issue instead of one-on-one. Um yeah, I'm not telling you that I like the regimented. Um, <laughs> but it's easier to clean, right? <laughs> Pardon? But it's easier to clean, right? If it's all, if you got 25 or 30 of the same thing. <laughs> well, there. yeah, there's there's standardization there. Right. Um, you know, I looked at one of your uh, one of your diagrams on the front page, and I see, you know, four different colors of material, uh, three or four different shapes, and I'm like, okay. The thing I did like about those, I got to tell you, Kevin, is I did like the fact that they don't have legs that are going to scar up my floor. Yeah. But yeah. also, I also see them on carpet and not on tile floor, and I hate carpet in a school. That's interesting. So yeah, talk carpet, through, talk through yeah, talk, why the carpet? Because we are seeing a lot of architects designing new schools with carpet in the classroom. Worst thing they can do. 
talk through that with me because I want well, to be Kevin, able to educate them. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and this is the thing, and I think this is where a lot of us in the custodial industry, we would love to be involved with some of these decisions based on keeping that facility healthy. Um, you know, I can go into all kinds of statistics, but, you know, I just go to the general common sense viewpoint of this, Kevin. Whenever you um, take your dishes after you've had your meal, whatever it was, you had cheeseburger and fries for lunch, okay? okay. You had it on a porcelain plate. Walk me through the process you go through before you put it back in the shelf and eat on, off of it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, taking stuff to the trash to the, go rinse it off in a sink or dishwasher and... Now it's on your hands and um, wiping your hands off. Dishes are being cleaned and then have to be put back away. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's a lot of touch points in that. Okay, see, but you didn't really go through the things that I really wanted you to because you never really thought through the process. You just automatically do it. Yeah. You don't really think it through. But when you start to thinking through what you actually do, you scrape off the excess which is the visible soil mm -hmm. on a piece of carpet. That would be what running your vacuum cleaner and removing the visible soil. Right. Because the vacuum cleaner doesn't go further, even brand new with a brand new bag, brand new machine does not go the further than one third into the carpet. Okay. So that means two thirds of the carpet just sitting there never gets touched. Okay. Would you say that your plate would be clean and healthy if you only clean one third of it every time? Yeah, definitely not. But yeah, that's what happens with a carpet in an upright vacuum. Okay. So let's. So, yeah. so let's just go a little further now. Okay. That's all we do. And whenever the, the cleaner comes in, all that they do is they go look around for whatever they can see and they remove what they can see. What happens to the rest of the carpet in the classroom? Nothing. Yeah. Day after day after day. How clean is your plate now? Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you want to eat off of it? Do you <laughs> want those kids to sit on that carpet? Do you want them to roll around on it? Do you want them to put their books down and their paper and lay on the carpet now? So one, I, I, I do you get the analogy where I'm, where I'm going? Completely see it. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and that's the thing that we would love to get architects and people that yeah. are designing these environments to understand. It's not, you know, it, so if you're going to do this, you've got to give me the time and the education. And this is what custodians don't know. But if I see visible soil on a smooth, hard surface, what am I going to do? What is that process like? That's it, which is what your plate is. So you remove the soils that you can see but then in your head you go that's not enough so now you put it in soapy water in your sink right mm -hmm. so you use a liquid i don't want to get technical this afternoon but use a liquid with something in it mm -hmm. to remove the soils to make it clean do you do that every time you use the plate or you only do that once a month when you use the plate <laughs> every day right so every time but yet, when it comes to the carpet, we do that maybe once or twice a year in school. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing. When you use the soapy water on the plate, what's the last thing? What's the next thing you do after the soapy water? You're drying it off. You do? I'm trying to think. Or, or you let it dry. After you pull it up out of the sink of soapy water, what do you do? Oh, you're rinsing it again. Oh, my goodness. The famous word that I want everybody to understand and nobody <laughs> does. So let's go back to the hard tables that you have. Isn't this what they should be doing to the hard tables? Well, how for sure. And I think... It, it, yeah, yeah, your brain's, I, your, your brain's know, going, yeah. like, what the heck am I into now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't know you was going to get into this today, did you, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I and I don't know how often that's happening right now. And that's the thing. Right. What, what is happening is these people are using disinfectants. They're using cleaners and they're not rinsing. Okay. And in a carpet where you have only removed the visible soil whenever you see it once in a while, you really don't deep clean the carpet because deep cleaning the carpet means you're getting further than the top of the carpet. Depending on what type of carpet it is, you know, whether you can see soil is not the issue. It's not healthy when there is, you know, bacteria and viruses in that soil. So think of this, everything in the environment. So when you're talking about COVID and the flu and MRSA and everything else and the dead skin cells that we shed is all falling into the carpet. And yet we just leave it sit there and say, we don't have time to clean it up. Yeah. But if it's a hard, smooth surface, I'm going to do it every day. That's true. Yep. I mean, I could get into much more, but, you know, I wanted to say, you know, you as somebody that works with these people with the furniture and the environments, I've got a guy uh, from Mannington Mills. We talk about this and, you know, he, he's, he's like, let's not talk about carpet today, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. You know, it's one of the things, but and the, and the reason is because we just simply can't ensure a healthy environment with that, that type of surface. Right. So I think it goes back to what you were talking about, though, is we've got to rethink all of this stuff now with COVID making us all hyper aware. Uh, But back to what you originally said, you know, the principal says that health and safety is his his is the only thing he's worried about. Well, if Billy is a health and safety, he ain't got anything else to worry about. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you take those steps. It, it, I mean, it really comes down to. I'm usually I'm usually really uh, optimistic on this, but now now if if you kind of put those out there, I mean, you look at this and like, what do you do if a school that does have carpet? I mean, they uh, is it they just don't open up? Well, there's until some good questions yet to be answered. Of, yeah, until they can redo all their surfaces. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough challenge for what they have to do. And then I would look at it too and be like, okay, what are the other options then um, to do that? And, you know, I was talking to somebody who's the head of a school in, in Texas yesterday. And, you know, and he's got parents who are doctors and they're walking through and saying all the things, you know, probably very similar from the viewpoint where you see it of, we need, you know, like all these things that we need to address. And it's like, how, how can we do that? I mean, we, we can't do that. We can't create a hospital. If we create a hospital, it's going to be a really bad learning environment. Well, and, and, and you know, I think in this, Kevin, is where we all kind of have to uh, use some common sense along the way with all of this. It's kind of like what I was just telling you. This isn't trying to be hyper aware and trying to scare everybody. It's trying to say, just use some common sense in this. We've got to, when you change some things, you have to change all of the things. You can't just change one tool and not the rest of the program. So if you change all of that, uh, that learning environment and you change all of that, you can't just now expect the custodial staff to be able to continue to provide a safe environment without the education that has to go along with it. It's not just tools. They have to be educated as well. And I think that's one of the the things that we're finding this year is we literally have hundreds of people coming through classes and we thank all of them for doing so. Uh, Unfortunately, it's because some of them don't have anything else to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good However, time. that being what it is, at least they're getting the education. So when they do go back to these environments, they can possibly do their job better. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting from your viewpoint. Um, it sounds to me, and if I'm kind of reading between the lines, pardon me, that they kind of got a deaf ear. I, 
I, I think there are so many factors that they have to take into consideration that they're gonna, they can't get it all right. And, and I think the expectation is that they're supposed to get everything all right. And so rather than go back and get most of it right, they're not going to go back till they get it all right. And is that a feasibility? I, I don't know. I think that's what's going to play out here. And we're going to have to see what happens is it. it I mean, if, if, if they decide they can't do it, I don't know if the funding is there. I don't know if the timeline is there and, um, and what does that look like? You know, like, and what are parents going to accept? What are, you know, and what's the government going to allow them to do? It, it's, it is a very messy thing because, and then you add, add on kind of the legal and aspect of it too, of like, you know, are people going to be held accountable if somebody gets sick? And honestly, our, our whole system kind of falls apart once that happens. And well, I, I think that's the other side of this. You know, for many years, I've always said that the legal issue of providing a safe uh, environment is going to come into play. And I think you're you're hitting on that point that soon yeah. will be coming. Yeah. 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 So I, I've never said I have all the answers and I definitely don't have the answers right now. What I can say and what I'm an advocate for and where I think we have reason to be optimistic is that learning can happen anywhere. And if this prompts kind of a massive change in our educational system, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that we actually have some really good technology to learn wherever you are in the world. And we're only getting better and better at that. Um, but we're missing a we're missing a big piece, which honestly is like the skill set that we're gonna need more than anything in future generations is are those soft skills, those empathy skills, those collaboration skills to be able to work together. And right now we're going more and more towards um, the opposite direction of that. Where Kevin, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get right back to that in a moment, but yeah. I want to let everybody know that we are sponsored uh, this afternoon by Gym Supply. They've been a provider of cleaning supplies since 1930 in the, well, central Florida area mainly. But as you know, uh, we can ship product anywhere, anywhere around the country or the world for that matter. We are the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. We are housed inside of Gym Supply. We have our own classroom and broadcasting studio. If you've joined us this year through a remote learning class, Many people are asking now, have you started live classes? We've been doing them live. You just weren't in the classroom with me. Well, you were in the classroom, but you were on the remote end. So you were in your classroom watching on your TV or your computer. You know, the only thing I say about this stuff is I'm the only one that has to do any work. I've got to instruct you. I've got to set up all of this stuff. And I've got to do the on-camera on demonstration of how it works. So, folks, if you've listened to this this afternoon and recorded the next live remote class, you get to sit, I get to work, and you learn. I guess that's not altogether bad. Is this the way, Kevin, that learning is going to be integrated and we're going to be doing more of just that type of thing? I, I think it's going to get a, a big bump in percentage. So right now the surveys are going out to parents of saying who plans to send their kid back to school. And, um, and then they're running different scenarios of that. And every survey I've seen, there's about an eight to 10% that are saying, I don't intend to plan my, I'm not sending my kid back to school in the fall. They're going to wow. enroll in some type of online, you know, option, you know, or homeschooling type of option. Um, which that's a big impact right there. And then there's a 25 yeah, to 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a 25 to 35% that's in a maybe category. And then the rest of them are like, I don't care what you do. I'm getting kids out of my house there. I'm dropping them <laughs> off. <laughs> I need my daycare back. <laughs> we, we trust you. Whatever you're doing is good enough for us. Um, 
And so that's a huge concern um, because if we lose eight to 10%, then there's a lot of funding that comes along with that. Um, and then obviously that 25 to 35% is a wide variance of, of how many of those actually come back, even once, you know, the government and the district says it's okay to come back. But even that, you're only talking, that's 45% of the student body that you really know anything about. What about the rest of them? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That aren't even answering. What about the others? You know, 30, uh, you know, what is that? 55% that well, not even the answering? The 55% is saying I'm sending my kids back no matter what. Oh, okay. All right. All yeah. right. I, I misunderstood so, yeah. that. Yeah. So they're, they're saying, whatever you do, we trust you. And uh, this isn't working for us with their, with kids. And, okay. So, so the thing is, the school at somewhere between 55 and 80% is going to have to, which means that all expenses are going to be exactly the same. Right. You know, I mean, just because you lose 15 or 10% of your student body doesn't mean that you don't have the same expenses. Correct. And now you're looking at most likely additional expenses here of like, how do we have to prepare these schools? Well, yeah. And, and I, facilities I, I, from everything from air quality to you know, rearranging and knocking down walls. And, I mean, there, there's so much more preparation um, that, that we have to account for now if we're having smaller classroom sizes. Um, yeah, I've heard some of the custodians already start talking about that the, the school is saying that we're going to set up classes in the gym. Mm -hmm. And then whenever the classes change and we have to use the gym, then you guys have to tear it down and get it ready to be used as a gym. Yeah. And they're like, how am I supposed to do that yeah. and do all the rest of my work and keep those items clean, healthy, and sanitary so that people can use them the next time? Exactly. Yep. And so, so I think I mean, we're going to need much larger custodial staff to be able to accommodate, you know, the facilities and custodial are going to have to have to get an increase in funding. Um, if we've also heard schools and districts talking about doing split days. So to, so we all have a session in the morning and a session in the afternoon. So now you're talking about increased um, transportation costs. And then right. what, what do the families do when, you know, their kid, you know, like the ones who don't have that option there, there's a, so many components in there that I think are just going to continue to increase the cost of, of education. Um, but don't, don't get me started this afternoon on student transportation. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I don't even I want to think about keep, keeping those buses clean. Oh, I have a real burr in my saddle on student transportation, folks. Uh, and and my, my audience that have heard me before, they know some of my rants and raves when it comes to that. Uh, I, I find as I get up in my years, I've done this enough that I do have my soapboxes that I get on quite frequently, and that's one of them. Yes. And I can see why, hearing how your mind thinks. It, <laughs> it definitely makes it, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely get the point where you're like, nothing's clean. Well, and I think so the you, biggest so thing. Do you, so do you have some like OCD type of type of personality where you, you feel like you personally have to clean everything, knowing that no. it's most likely not clean to the no. level that you think it should be at? You, 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 you hit it on the head. There is a lot of people that think I am completely. No, I'm not. I'm realistic. Okay. You know, my, my point with all of this is, and as you, as you talk about this, you know, and this is what is so mind-boggling for me at this stage of all of this the cdc and you've mentioned them several times so i'm going to go back to that the cdc says to wash your hands with soap and water and a paper towel if i can remove from my hands which they've already told us is the primary transportation device for most pathogens that make us ill if I can remove from my hands pathogens with basic soap, not antimicrobial, not any special soap, just basic soap and water, then why do I need a disinfectant on all these surfaces? Right. I don't use a disinfectant on my plates that I eat off of. I haven't used disinfectant in my laundry on the clothes that I wear all day long, absorb and, and sweat in. So you got me why, why do you think that is? 
Why are they? Well, it's because you, it, it, it's perception. It's this issue of we've got to have, we're, we're so brainwashed with it. It's got to be a chemical that's got to do this job. And I've got to remove 100%. And then we don't do anything right. You know, I don't have a problem with using a disinfectant, but you use it limited. Use it where you need to. It's the frequency that makes a difference. Okay. You know, so it's not, it's not as much what you use. It's how often you do it. You know, I, I teach in my class all the time. Uh, and I think one of the things that I think would help schools the most is that I don't care what grade you're in. We need to go back to hand washing one-on-one. Every hour, every student washes their hands and they have to wash them correctly. We've, we don't do that. We haven't done that. But yet, this is what the CDC first tells you to do. But yet, I hear just like what you said all afternoon this afternoon about everything, but I never heard you say anything about that at all. Yeah. 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 So what are your thoughts? Because we we do have a lot of schools that are ordering um, portable. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and tons of just hand sanitizing. Uh, yes. I got to be careful there, Keith. Or Kevin. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So, what what do you what would you recommend? Because obviously, we're we're in a position here where where wash, wash they are coming to us asking us soap and water, soap, water, and a towel. And there's just two going, principles going to the bathroom two, to do that because that's the other know, thing is they're now told to they don't want kids going to the bathrooms because that's so put a portable wrong. washing station in the in the hallway. In the hallway, we have portable hand washing stations. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was I was at a Walmart here, and I'm not trying to name anything you know in particular, but I just it was it was actually a Sam's Club, and within 20 feet of the entrance, here is a hand washing station sitting right in the middle of the aisle. It had soap, had water, and paper towel. I went and used it. Yeah, was right in the doorway. Okay. You know, I, I mean, well, I wrote a, well, we'll continue to do that then, because that's, I mean, that's one of the things that schools are looking to do. I, they don't I've need, been they concerned don't, they, about when they do that, though, like now you have all these logistics issues though, because, you know, you have to make sure that. Oh, we don't want to do anything because it might be safer. Yeah, that's where I get this. Oh, well, you know, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. No, you need to do what is safe and healthy and then worry about the logistics afterwards. Sure, you're going to have to empty the water. You're going to have to fill the water and bring it back. But I'd much rather the custodian being doing that than running some paper, you know, a a package of paper back to a classroom when this teacher could have done her job better and got her own paper. Yeah. 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 If, if the you said earlier, you know, the principal said that their main goal was keep them safe in the very front door of every school. Whenever those kids come in, there should be a portable hand washing station, not hand sanitizer. All right. You're sending a mixed message. Yeah. And they say, well, it's not available. The heck, it ain't available. It's as available as an instant hand sanitizer station. And it actually produces better results because there's more removal of what's on their hands. And we're not in, we're not um, infecting the students with alcohol all day long. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing. Alcohol on my floor finish tears it up. Yeah. Hand soap doesn't. All right. Well, thanks. Oh, That's yeah, we're going to use, we're go- we're use more paper. Yeah, we're going to use more soap. But you know the thing about it, it it's, it's the CDC says when when water isn't available. Well, hand sanitizer wasn't available till you bought it and put it there either. Right. Yeah. You bought it and you made and you bought a stand and you put it there and you have to go and service it. How many places do I go to where there's no hand sanitizer in the dispenser when they go up there? Yeah, a lot. So, so if the dispenser is worth putting there, then it should be refilled so it never runs out. So what are your thoughts then? Because this is helpful because this is, I mean, we're being asked a lot of these questions of oh, good. helping them to do this. So I feel much better hearing from you saying the hand, having the portable 
hand washing stations. I mean, you've seen them, haven't you, Keith? Oh yeah, we saw Kevin, them. I'm, yeah. I keep calling. Yeah. Why do I want to call you Keith for some reason? You know, I'm sorry. all the K's, You know, it's all the same. <laughs> I know it immediately uh, when I do it too, Kevin. <laughs> no, but, I mean, we, you've sell, seen them. we sell a lot of them in there because you know, especially I mean, they've always been really prominent in the preschool environment. Um, but now, you know, there's been a lot of demand. So, we, I mean, really the requests that we've been handling the most right now are the portable hand washing stations, a lot of the, the sanitizing stations, and then a lot of plexiglass. And I don't know the best thing to recommend. The plexiglass really bothers me because I, oh, yeah. I don't think there's anything good that's going to come from that. But what, what, what would, do you think we should be suggesting when the CDC is recommending having barriers and things like that between the students. Well, you know, that's, that's one of those where I'm like, there's too far to one side and the other. And the problem with that I see with all of this on it, Kevin, is whenever we keep piling on all of these recommendations of all these things, then what you start doing as you start learning, leaving the focus of exactly what you and I are here to talk about today, mm -hmm. learning environments. You know, if you change the procedure, you change the product, you change the mindset. Back to the hand sanitizer versus washing station. Right. You're sending a, a mixed message. Whenever you remove one, we'll always do the other one better. You know, should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? What type of mask should I wear? Should I rely on the plexiglass? Well, if I've got the plexiglass in between me, why do I need a mask on? Because then I've got the plexiglass and it takes care of it. But then the minute you watch people in behavior, and you can see this anywhere on public you go right now where the plexiglass dividers are up. How many people walk around the edge of the plexiglass, pull their mask down to talk to somebody? Yep. All the time. So is the plexiglass doing anything? No. It, it's just making it it's just making it confusing for everybody. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is everybody goes, Well, the CDC says this. Just because the CDC says that, does that mean that we all have to live by that? Right. And and that's what I've been challenging the school leaders to, but I don't have the expertise to know the better way to do that. And I feel like that's what they're defaulting to, too, is like, we're educators. We, we went through, you know, school to teach. We don't know what to do. And we're being asked, you know, to basically make these decisions for our communities. And so, so I, would, is I would love to be able to, edu you know, be able to give them better answers. Well, and I think this goes back uh, to this issue, Kevin, what we're talking about today is, you know, where do people get the information to make the choices they do? People that live in an environment and just make up rules and regulations and are not living in the real world with me and you. Mm -hmm. You know, I live every day with custodians that are dealing with everything that everybody leaves behind. You know, and I'm not trying to be confrontational here when I say this, but you know, everybody talks about the first responders. I've heard it on TV. I've seen it everywhere. And I'm going, yeah, you guys are the ones after something happens. But you see, my job as a custodian is to keep things from happening. I'm the preventive medicine. So while you're talking about working on a vaccine, I am your current vaccine. Right. Why aren't you working with me? Why aren't you teaching? Why aren't you talking with us about what we do, what we see, and working with us now to help you have a current vaccine? And this is what environments, schools or whatever, really aren't doing. And that's what you said earlier. No, they're not. I, I mean, there are some associations I don't know how involved. And, you know, obviously this is kind of beyond my normal scope of where the conversations we're usually having, but there's like an association for learning environments. And that's typically a lot of the architects and designers that are, right. They're, right. they're the ones that are building, you know, all these new facilities and doing the renovations. I hope 
they're having these conversations. They understand that. Um, I can tell you a lot of them are putting in carpet, so maybe they're not having <laughs> <laughs> having, having that uh, sink in as much. But um, but yeah, I mean that that's probably the the first level of conversations that need to be having is to make sure that whenever we're building anything new, we're doing it with. Kevin, we've been uh, rattling on here for about an hour on all of these (laughs) subjects. I suppose you didn't think it'd go this way, did you? No, but it's good. (laughs) That's why I like doing stuff like this, get exposure into into new things. I want to apologize to Vinny who came on. Uh, he, He came on, wanted to talk, and we were in the middle of a heated discussion there. And by the time I really paid attention to who Vinny was, Vinny, I apologize uh, I should have uh, hit the button and let you talk to us because Vinny's one of the students that's been through one of my infection prevention courses. And, you know, I, that's unfortunate thing that when we're doing this live, I don't have sometimes I don't watch the board and and uh, see who's talking. And and the other thing is people use nicknames and stuff, and I just pass it up. So, Vinny, whether you're uh, still listening or whether you listen to the recorded part of this, uh, my apologies to you, sir. Um. Before we leave this afternoon, creating better learning environments, future concepts to enhance student outcomes. You know what I like about that title right there at the end? I say all the time that, you know, in the cleaning of facilities, it doesn't matter all of this stuff that we do or don't do if you can't measure the outcome. If you don't have an outcome and you can't measure it, doesn't really matter what you did or how you did it, but the outcome is the most important thing. Uh, you wrote the book. Talk to us a little bit. Yeah, so the book was written because we we were working with schools around the country and they were all asking the same questions and the process was exactly the same. And uh, we said, you know what, let's just write this out. So anyone who wants to try to take it on, um, we kind of give them a blueprint and and the game plan to do it. And it's one of those things that, you know, the whole world's changing a lot, you know, this year. So we'll see what, what actually remains of this in the future. But there was a lot of research being done. We know that learning environments... Um, produce better results when there's more collaboration and students have more authority over their learning. And I don't know what that's going to look like here moving forward. I really don't. And and it's probably my biggest concern is, is um, did we erase all the progress that we were making here right now? Um, but I'm also an optimistic person feel like there's also going to be a lot of innovation that's going to happen from this. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, but I would just say the, the overriding theme of the book, creating better learning environments is that everyone, anyone can make a difference, whether it's a teacher and custodian, a student, a parent, a community leader. We've seen it happen over and over and over again in schools. All it takes is one person saying, I'm going to make sure this happens, and it gets done. And if, and if anyone has the attitude of it, someone else is going to solve it, um, then <laughs> you're right. Somebody else will solve it. It's that one person who, who takes the ball <laughs> and says, I'm going to be the champion of this, and I'm going to make sure that something happens. So if anyone's listening to this and, and feels passionate that, we need to be looking at creating better learning environments because the way we're preparing students right now is not the world that they're that they're going to be living in. I mean, there's a stat right now that's 85% of kindergartners are going to be working jobs that do not exist today. So if we want to just keep, keep pumping out students that are good at memorizing things, that, that, that's just, it's out of date. I mean, when you can pick up a phone and say, hey, Siri, who was president in 1912, why do you have to memorize anymore? We need to be producing the generation that knows how to solve problems for exactly times like we have right now, because we're going to have some tough problems that are going to need to be solved. Well, uh, Kevin, I think you're very right. I think uh, we haven't seen 
I, I would say, you know, some people say, have you seen the tip of the iceberg? Uh, an iceberg has many tips. We've seen one of them. I don't think we've seen the last one. I, I agree. I think and unfortunately, I don't think we've seen the worst one yet either. I agree. I mean, I heard the analogy back even, you know, in March and April saying like, it's like we're on the Titanic and we know, and I, you know, we're only 20 minutes into the movie of Titanic. And I agree. There's going to be a hmm. lot of fallout. There's going to be a lot of things that are very different. Um, we have not really seen the fallout of the economy yet. And it, it, if you look at this with common sense, it has to happen. Like it, without with as much unemployment that has happened, it can only be propped up for so long. And there's going to be there, things are going to look very, very different in the coming years. Well, I think we all agree that um, every once in a while, and you know, it, you know, whenever we talk about from the from our aspect in the cleaning industry, we watch the the viruses that come to the forefront about every six years make. Uh, make a run at the environment, kill a lot of people, make us change things. Ebola was one of the last big ones that did that. Um, the CDC even changed procedures. And now with COVID, they've been changing procedures. I think um, it this one here has changed much more than any other has uh, in recent memory. Kevin, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Um, I feel like we could uh, talk for a long time more about this. But. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm like, you know, and, and I kind of figured that. So people, uh, you're in Arizona. You have two other offices. Where are those at? Yes, we have an office in Ohio that covers the Midwest and then um, in Philadelphia that covers down into the Carolinas. Um, so... And we, and then we also have an inside team that covers the rest of the country. And honestly, we, we've always been a hundred percent remote company and it's really helped us be able to work with anyone anywhere right now. Um, so if there's anything we can do to help, uh, I would say kind of the best place to start is at, at our website, K12, it's spelled weird, K-A-Y dash 12 spelled out, T-W-E-L-V-E.com. And right on there, I mean, the first step is just engage with one of our learning environment specialists. And, and so, did, so you, got, you guys just market all of the different manufacturers of products. Uh, you don't Correct, actually yeah. manufacture products. No, we're a distributor. So right, that's what we, I thought. Yeah. 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 Very, well, very good. Appreciate it. Dave, thank you for your time. Good conversation. Hey, you know, that before, before you go. Yep. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, before you go, I have two questions. Sure. Where were you born? I was born in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, a Northwest suburb. Buffalo, Chicago. Illinois. Yeah. Interesting. And you're now in Arizona. Yeah. I spent about 20 years in Ohio and been in Arizona for about three years now. And the last question, what is on your personal bucket list for this year? So that thing me, that you really want to do for this year personally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right now it's um, <laughs> a trip with my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. When I ask that question, everybody, and, and, and they don't even want to say it, but that's usually the one I'm getting the most lately is get out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been fortunate living in Arizona. We've been able to kind of explore and get into kind of some remote areas um, away from, you know, big crowds of people. But yeah, I think we're, we're definitely craving. Um, <laughs> so where would that trip be, Kevin? Um, well, uh, the realistic one, it's somewhere in driving distance, maybe somewhere in Colorado where it's a little cooler in the summer. Okay. Um, but we would, most of my family is still in Chicago. It would be great to, to go back. I think our kids are craving being around family. Interesting. Well, the, the, the everybody says, you know, why do you ask those questions? And, and I always tell people, you know, the thing is, is if we don't know where we started oh. and we don't know where we're going, the destination is going to be hard to reach. <laughs> yep. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about uh, this afternoon here as we venture off into this 
next stage as far as education goes of what's going to be the fall and the winter and the next school year. No one that I have talked to has an answer yet. No, that's is a tough one to predict. And that's scary. Yeah. It's scary, but let's, you know, the positive side of me is innovation is usually what happens in times like this. So, yeah, we'll figure out a way and it may not be the best way. Uh, to start with, but we will figure out a way to keep moving forward. Kevin, thanks a lot All for right. being on the show with thanks, us. Dave. Keep doing what you're folks, doing. If you've, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you know that uh, you need to like and share what we do here on Podbean Live. This show will be on our recorded uh, sessions, so you can uh, check it out, uh, share it with friends, maybe learn something too from it, or hey, you know what? What would be even better is if you listen to the show and you have a, a comment or a concern or you even want to rebut something we said. Hey, we'll take that too. Uh, like and share us. We're on Facebook. We've got all the YouTube videos. By all means, go to www.academyofcleaning.com. We just changed our website and put all of the courses on the front page. So if you're listening and you've been having trouble finding the courses, you can't have no trouble anymore. They're right on that front page. Folks, whatever you do between the time that you're listening to us today and the next time, make sure that whatever you do, it is healthy, positive, and proactive. Until next time, we'll see you later. We're out of here.